Yes, we are here. Sort of <laughs> stuck in between um, uh, unwieldy uh, radical life events. Oh, yes. 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 Halfway moved across the country for me. Still planted in Texas currently. But Rob is over there with our car. And our stuff is in transit. Um, supposedly arriving tomorrow, but technically still in the good old state of Texas as well. (laughs) Interesting. Yes. (laughs) So hopefully they put a, they they go a little faster than I think most people do, uh, because I don't know how it's going to make it then. If it's delayed, does that matter? Oh, what a journey. Um, In some ways, yes. It's been such a headache to figure out how to get this dang pod over to our new establishment. Um, So we had to like, it's a whole thing. It's really, really not interesting. It's just been years of my life shaved off from the trauma of it, but it's not that interesting. Okay. So we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, let's just move on, on my again. end, we just got done with Pride here in New York, which was, yes. it, you know, it it's always a it's a mixed bag. It's high highs, it's low lows. You can never predict exactly when those are going to <laughs> hit and what's going to like send you into a tailspin. There's always something, but then Ooh. you know you just keep coming back for more. <laughs> so yes, that's that's wrap. Well, up. I frankly want to know a low low. You know, like, give us the tea. Give us the dirt. I mean, you know, you go to these parties and there's always, like, somebody there who you have a crush on who you then see making out with somebody mm, else. Like, that's yeah. all. That's, like, that's always Dancing a low, low. style. Yeah. Yes. There, then there's always the, um, you know, oh, you're, uh, you're hungover or mm. one of your friends is in like a K-hole and you're trying to take care of them <laughs> or or somebody like just disappears and you have no idea where they went. One yeah. of the, the big event had like so many people there that like cell phone service wasn't really working. So, you know, like <laughs> they would just be gone. It's like, okay, like maybe <laughs> we'll find them again. Maybe we won't. Um so you know lots oh, wow. of l- lots of different kind of lows and then there's the low of like oh you paying like twelve dollars for a bottle of water and you're like yeah, <laughs> yes this makes sense like great sure perfect i'll buy three um yeah yeah that's so really just, rude um so, it seems like in the month of pride all queers should get a glass of water for free well here's the crazy thing about this venue is that like i am i'm like 90 percent sure this is illegal but like who am I to be saying this? So they they don't have like water fountains. If you ask for a glass of water, they won't give it to you, which I'm like that I feel like you're supposed to. No. So you can buy a water bottle, but they're like nine dollars. Yeah. But so then everybody's like buying these water bottles and filling them up in the sink in the bathroom. Mm. Um it, yeah, it's a it's a Fun. rough sort of uh <laughs> 
you know, no, the, the more I talk about it out loud, the more I'm like, this is embarrassing. Like, how yeah. <laughs> was I involved in this? It's and like, why will I be doing like it again? The ball drop. In it's like the months. New Year's Eve Times Square event. You want to be there, you want to experience it, but maybe the details aren't as fun as it sounds. Yeah, I mean, I've done the ball drop, and yeah. that's definitely less fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, more memorable, I guess, in some ways. Um, yeah, but Pride is over, and yeah. we don't have to do it again for another 12. Good riddance! So, <laughs> thank goodness. No, actually, I guess technically it goes through another four weeks. And I'm going to Fire Island on Thursday, so oh, okay, no perfect. rest for the weary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still searching for that Fire Island sequel. Yeah, I wish you luck. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready and I'm excited to take it on. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's been a weird week of news. <laughs> RIP Ocean Gate. Uh, let's just get that over with. Yeah. Um, big moments there. Uh, Blink-182 featured in ways they probably didn't want to, but um, congrats to them yet again. Um, always something happening at their concerts, I guess. Always someone there with an announcement to make. But any other, uh, what else piqued your interest this last week? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that was the big story for better or for worse. I yeah. I found it, like, not that interesting to me and also yeah. was just annoyed at the amount of money that was being spent to find <laughs> these, like, billionaires who were probably dead all along yeah. when there's, like, boatloads of refugees uh, in the Mediterranean that are dying every day yeah. um, and no one seems to care at all. So, you know, that was a frustrating <laughs> angle on that story. Yes. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, I feel like there was, like, that was the big news piece. I found a couple of like more niche uh, like industry bits of news that I thought might be uh, cool to cover. So one is that we've talked about this f- for a while on the podcast every now and again of how there's not a stunt category at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And whenever people are talking about like changes to make to the Oscars and categories that should be there. Everyone's like stunts because there's a huge part of so many movies, especially big budget movies that there's no uh, recognition for at the Academy Awards. And apparently that is maybe possibly going to be changing soon because (laughs) the members of sort of like the stunt acting, you know, guild have been meeting with the Academy members and everyone's like, huh, this is interesting. Like what's going on here? And yeah, so like nothing definitive has come out, but the like board of governors also just released this week um, new rules about theatrical distribution for the Oscars. And now movies have to play in more theaters in more markets in order to be available for oh. the Oscars, which means that Netflix movies yeah. and movies that are on streaming and like indies are going to have to spend more time in theaters in more places, which is also interesting. So it feels like the Academy is making some changes and figuring stuff out and so will that impact movies that like try that november 24th release type thing what do you mean like because then because there's so many movies that come out at the very end of december just to be considered for an oscar but does that mean they have to come out earlier in the year to like 
so I make the cut. I read the whole like thing on this, and no, if the studio has plans to release it. And, like, so the initial part of the release is before the December or January okay, 1st deadline. And then the the sort of expansion is after that qualifies. But they have to submit a plan for that ahead of time. Um, okay. Otherwise, yeah, the movie has to be um, in 10 cities for a certain period so of time. Seems so that seems pretty uh, targeted towards Netflix, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely targeted towards the streamers. And I think it's probably a reaction in some part to like HBO and the and Disney during the pandemic, like putting everything on their streaming service. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely it's definitely aimed in a lot of ways at Netflix because even things like Amazon and Apple put their movies in theaters and have yeah. relationships with like independent theaters across the country where Netflix does not. And <laughs> Netflix has sort of gotten around this by buying theaters in Los Angeles and New York that they can put their movies in for the required period of time. Right. But they'll now have to show their movies in more places for a longer period of time. So that might mean like either buying more theaters for them or them just sort of saying, you know, we're going to have a lot of movies that aren't eligible for the Oscars or, um, you know, uh, they could theoretically try to make some sort of distribution deal with theaters and theater chains so that their movies, you know, maybe play in AMCs or Regals because they haven't done that up until this point, aside from the um, the preview of Knives Out. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting what happens in the next couple of years. Very this won't curious. come into effect until next year. And presumably the stunt category also wouldn't come into effect until um at least next year, but probably even the year after that, since that rule yeah. isn't announced yet. Um, but yeah, interesting stuff. Well, I heard some funny industry news too, which is that Mission Impossible is coming out July 10th, I think. And Tom Cruise, I guess, is pretty upset because his movie comes out, but then Oppenheimer has an exclusive on IMAX screens across the US for the first three weeks of its release. And so Tom Cruise is feeling salty because he will be blocked out of IMAX films, IMAX screenings, that whole chunk of July after Oppenheimer comes out. Plus, Barbie's getting so much, you know, headway that that's also going to be competing for screens. And so really, it looks like it might be a rough spot for in my, what is this, eight? In my seven? Mission Impossible sequel one um so he's feeling pretty angry um tried to negotiate something with imax but they're not budging they're sticking with christopher nolan and um we'll just have to see you know is he wants to be a part of that conversation of the barbie heimer weekend but he might be edged out poor guy yeah i mean it does feel like in theory, he picked a good landing spot because there aren't any like big, big franchise movies sort of coming out immediately after yeah. that. But then, yeah, the fact that Barbie and Oppenheimer are coming out the same week and everybody's sort of like <laughs> making that a big to do and is probably going to go see both. And Oppenheimer is Christopher Nolan and everybody wants to, you know, see that in IMAX. And then Barbie's obviously like this marketing juggernaut. It is, um, 
Yeah, it, I, I like you couldn't have foreseen it, but now that it's yeah. here, you do have to think about that. And also, I think, you know, there's lots of people who don't go to the movies all that often. And so if yeah. they're only going to go once in July, they might skip over Mission Impossible to go see Barbie or Oppenheimer, depending on who they are. Um, I know. Especially if the reviews for Mission Impossible aren't great. I'm seeing it tomorrow. So Ugh, I'll let you know how it goes. I want to see it. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. So I'll definitely be there. But, you know, 20 days is a pretty short window for a movie to make an impression. So um, and that's I guess it's only no, he has 10 days before. Yeah, he has one week before. um, But I can also see this being one of those things that like, oh, if it does really well in the opening week that they sort of somehow figure out a way to renegotiate. Yeah, I don't know. know I mean, it's an exclusive with IMAX and. Christopher Nolan so right but I mean like renegotiate that theaters you know change their plan every week based on what has done well the week before and like what gets bopped out and how many screens things are on um so it's like if Oppenheimer for whatever reason like like I think initially it might get bopped out but if Oppenheimer's doing poorly and Mission Impossible's getting like rave reviews and everybody wants to go see it I can't really (laughs) see them not like trying to yeah do some switch but I guess that remains to be seen. That's some optimism. I love it. Team Mission Impossible. Team Mission. Well, I mean, I'm Team Barbie, so. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. But men against men, we're going uh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh well, no, I'm also Team Tenant above Mission Impossible. So. <laughs> um. Uh, oh yeah, your turn. You get to tell a story. Oh, um. So yeah, again, like weird sort of niche industry news, but um. Ryan Murphy made okay. <laughs> made big news a couple of years ago when he famously like jumped all of his shows had been on Fox and FX and he jumped ship for Netflix in this like massive deal where he was going to get millions of dollars and have all of these shows on Netflix. And while a number of those have come out, like The Politician and Hollywood and Dahmer, I think they have not been doing as well as maybe Netflix had hoped they would and Mm. I guess his contract is up and so there's sort of grumblings that he is trying to get out of Netflix and go back to Disney to re-team up with the people that he was working with there when he was with Fox because Disney has since bought Fox Um, so I think that's an interesting story of the Netflix of it all of like is this streamer like just going to continue to falter sort of like Mm. when like how much more room does it have to stumble about before it's just done because i think it it's it's just gotten keep getting it's gotten bad news over and over and over and over again for the last year or so and now that they're starting to get rid of some of their like big tentpole creators like yes i guess that is saving money in some ways but also it's like you know, people like Shonda Rhimes and Ryan Murphy have big names and big audiences and, you know, Wait, could theoretically bring people in. No, they haven't yet, but I'm just oh, saying, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's really the only. If Ryan Murphy's on the move, yeah. then it's possible that Well, Shonda and they've lost know. like half their audience cutting down on these passwords. My, my in-laws cut Netflix, so... RIP. I don't know how I'm going to watch season six of Stranger Things in eight years when it comes out, but. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I really watch on Netflix is The Crown. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's not, I mean, good and it's clean like, break for you. You know, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of the crown and, and salty streaming, um, there's been this whole drama with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry leaving mm. Spotify. I don't know yes. if you've been like watching this breakup, but, um, you know, right when they left the royal family, they signed a deal with Netflix to, you know, produce content. And they've only done the two things so far, their own docu-series and then um, another like interviewee show where they go and see, I I don't know, it didn't even like crack the top 10 of Netflix's trending the week it was released. But Oh, gosh. They also, at the same time, signed a deal with Spotify. And this was a few years ago. So it was maybe like 2020. So it was right when Spotify was trying to like up the ante and taking over the um, podcasting space. Uh, we missed their call. Otherwise, you know, maybe this uh, would be a I know. So disappointing. <laughs> but um, yeah, they did a $20 million deal for them. And it was kind of like unclear what that would be, but the idea was that they'd each have their podcast, the details were forthcoming. And so basically what we got after a year and a half was Megan did a podcast last year called Archetypes where she would talk to different women about the different archetypes women like deal with or whatever. So she had like Serena Williams, she had I think Mindy Kaling. And she'd do these little episodes, which were fine. Like, I listened to a couple. I, as you know, am, like, a fan of them. Like, I like <laughs> I like yes, their level of mess. I feel like it's interesting to watch them navigate this new thing. And while I can see that maybe they're out of touch in a lot of ways, I, for one, value their out-of-touchness compared to, like, the families they came from. Um but Spotify announced that they would not be renewing her her podcast and that they were in fact canceling the deal because they hadn't really re- they hadn't really met the productivity benchmarks required for that overall 20 million which is interesting because they're running into the same problem with Netflix where they keep pitching ideas that are like kind of half formed and don't get picked up um and even Prince Harry's like supposed uh, alleged pitch for Spotify podcast was that he wanted to talk about like childhoods and his dream was to, like interview like Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin about like what their childhood. Oh gosh. <laughs> no, I'm just like sure bad. that's an interesting idea, but like the logistics of that are impossible. Like you can't you can't guarantee you'll get these people to come on and confess their childhood woes to you. Um, so anyways, <laughs> since this was announced a few days ago, a lot of people have been sharing their opinions, including, um, the, an executive at Spotify who said, who called them, um, how did they say it? He called them effing grifters. He was <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Okay. Not which wrong. Which is sad. Like that's bad, right? That's bad PR for people who are trying to be like, who are trying to rebrand their images currently. Um, and also there's this rumor that this is unverified and it was like released by the New York Post. So I like don't want to share it except that it's such a delightful rumor that I like have to share it. And 
Someone alleged that Meghan Markle wasn't even on some of the interviews, but that her staff would interview like these celebrities or people she had on the podcast. And then she would come in and record the questions as if she was, you know, live on that air with makes, them. <laughs> that makes entire sense to me. Like That would be the Which least surprising like, thing I've ever heard. <laughs> if you like listen to the podcast, it is kind of more like, like it's clunky like that. Like it's like it's like less a sit down interview, like one on one, like armchair expert, where you're just like getting into it with the um, interviewee. It's more like with Mindy Kaling's. She talked about like the different archetypes. So there's like she would introduce like a historical context, and someone would come on with stats, and then she'd ask me, you know, Mindy, a few questions here and there, and like have that come up type thing. Um, so it's a much more like info-driven show than just conversation. So yeah, it's feasible that there was something like that. It seems like it would be hard to fake it. And I feel like maybe it was with like smaller stars who wouldn't like dare to admit that out loud, but an interesting interesting rumor. Um, And I'm really rooting for them. Like not that they need, I'm not like, you know, going to start a GoFundMe for them, but it's more like, I I hope they sort this out because their like, you know, development group, Archwell, whatever they call it, they're like different production company. They came out with a statement with this bad press that was basically like every new company like changes their, you know, directives as they're learning it out, as they're figuring it out, as they're finding their niche. So we're not worried about this. Like we'll figure it out too. But they have had a lot of people leave. Like it seems like the running theory is that they're big idea people, but they have no idea or interest in how to like make it happen. Um, So they thought it would be more easy to do the like Obama route and just have success and like you know, produce all these great world-changing pieces, but they just don't actually have the, like, I don't know, <laughs> detail, the strategic vision to uh, really pull that together. Well, I feel like the difference between the Obamas and Meghan and Harry, obviously, is that the Obamas are two highly accomplished people <laughs> who have spent their life doing like incredible work. I mean, not only was Barack Obama president and, uh, you know, a Senator and had a job that was very demanding and required a lot of talent, but also, you know, when you're a politician, you have to be, uh, you have to pitch things to donors. You have to be going around. You have to know people, you have to meet people. You have to have lots of connections. And Michelle Obama you know, was a lawyer, worked at a top legal firm, like then is the first lady where again, you have all these connections, you're hosting all of these events, like so much of producing is making things happen. It's like, yes, there's ideas to it, but it's a lot of like, okay, you want to do this show. We got to get a director. We got to get a cinematographer. We have to get the money. We have to figure out where we're going to shoot, you know, all of those sort of logistic things. And I feel like the Obamas would be incredibly talented at sort of pulling that together and knowing how to make that work where Megan and Harry, I mean, I guess Megan's an actress. So, you know, 
I, I'm not exactly sure like what all her background entailed, but for Prince Harry, it's like he lived his whole life where a whole staff of people did all of the <laughs> logistic work for him. He just had to show up. It wasn't like he was planning yeah. anything. So for him then to be in charge of this operation, it makes total sense to me that he like doesn't really know what he's doing and is sort of like, well, can't somebody do this? And they're like, well, no, you're supposed to do it. And he's like, oh, I've always had people for that. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. they just seem like annoying people in general who aren't good at it. So <laughs> there's that as well. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's Love. tough. It's a, it's tough time to be a Megan and Harry fan. It's like I think the same thing. You just see the patterns, right? Where it's like you want them to grow up, but at what point do you – just accept that they don't have any motivation to like if $20 million isn't enough to like get you to pull your life together, then like what's going to. Um, and I think the thing that's interesting is that Megan was successful, like being more honest in her life, like with her, with her blog, like there was a charm to it because she was happy to like expensive things. And she was happy to like know about TV shows and stuff. Whereas now her brand is much more like polished and kind of like unrelatable, um, but not in like the Kim Kardashian style way, but more in this like, oh, I don't, we don't watch TV. Like what is, have you ever heard of this movie, Princess Diaries? Like, you know, there's just kind of like this refusal to engage in the uh, in the popular zeitgeist whereas she did that before so it feels fake now that she's like going around talking about her how h and her are like so above it but it's like well there was something fun when you were trying things and talking about things you loved and like showing a real passion that went beyond what this performative sort of style of like i care about things that matter you know yeah, well, and then obviously the whole book tour and all <laughs> I of love the, the book tour. publicity with that was, was not great. And yeah, I think that they're just, I think that in their mind, they thought, oh, people sort of don't like the monarchy. We can, you know, use that to our advantage and sort of be these underdog characters. But I think they've executed that really poorly. And also in the Harry's case and I think now sort of in Megan's case they have proven themselves to not be really the underdogs at all but just sort of like the you know annoying lackeys of these aristocratic people so yeah, yeah but we'll, it's, yeah know, it's, we'll see what happens if there's one thing we're good at on this podcast it's having things that we were favorites of at one point and then slowly realize <laughs> wait a second this is actually a hot mess yeah I don't know. I they're just there's so few hot messes that can be viewed guilt free, and this is mine. You know, it's like yeah, harmless little nepo babies. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's like what they're stealing money from Spotify, which is other also yeah. <laughs> this massive corporation. So you don't really feel too bad yeah. for anybody. Yeah. I guess that's what but, some people felt yeah. with the submersible, but you know. Um, mm, yeah. Well, did you dying. see the Nepo yeah. baby discourse? Because Kendall Jenner continues to be like a pick me girl and she refuses. She just like she she was interviewed for some, you know, magazine. And the, the title is literally like how Kendall wants to ditch the Nepo baby playbook. 
And at one point, she's like, I understand I fall under the umbrella of the Kardashian sister, but it's just like weird to me because I am just like my dad in so many ways. I'm such a Jenner, in my opinion. And it's like, well, what does that mean? The Jenners are all uber wealthy, like fame whores too, right? Like, so it's like, what, right, and what does that monster. mean? Yeah, your dad was an Olympian turned like public speaker and now a horrific social activist for the far right. So like, is that what you want to be? <laughs> And then she said later, she's like, I consider myself to be one of the luckiest people on the planet to be able to live the life that I live. But I do think it's challenging for me a lot more than it's not. And (laughs) the best part of it is that was a pull quote as she was photographed. And then the photograph description is just like wearing Mew Mew tank top for $1,100, right? Like it's like (laughs) just like tone deafness of someone trying to say like, this is so hard. And it and like we get into these arguments with fame all the time where it's like, yes, it'd be hard. Yes, it'd be, you know, uh, dehumanizing and kind of like difficult to wrap your brain around like psychologically. The, the, the tension there is interesting. And at times you can carry a lot of empathy for these people. But it's just this insistence of hers to be like, I'm not like them. I'm not Nepo baby. I have not benefited from this. You guys wouldn't even want my life if you could. It's just like more and more grating. Like just just be rich and quiet. Like I don't get this need to prove something that no one's expecting of you. Well, I think they think that, oh, uh, you know, my life has had difficulties and you guys, guys just don't understand. But it's like, yeah, everyone's life is difficult to them to a certain degree. But you yeah. can only like you have to have enough like empathy to look around you and be like, oh, OK, yes, there are things that are hard for me. But there's also a lot more difficult things for other people. <laughs> and the things that are hard for Kendall Jenner, you know, I'm sure like the fame, you know, all of the people following her around the paparazzi, but it's like, if she wanted to, she could buy a ranch in Canada and not do any public, you know, not, not own a business, just live off the money that she already has. And like, yes, she would still be famous and maybe she couldn't go out. But if she went up there for five years or 10 years Mm -hmm, and then came mm -hmm. back, like then nobody knows her at that point. So yeah. It's like you're only like fame fades quickly. And if you don't want it, there are other people who will take it from you. With yeah. Kendall, she's obviously like in the thick of it and does not want to leave. So, yeah. Well, uh, and it's just like, oh, I'm not like them when it's like you're literally on the Kardashian show. You're literally posting daily. You're doing the stories. You're doing the press. Like, sure, your anxiety might manifest differently than your sisters but like you're clearly playing the same game and I just am fascinated by this like I don't know what it is this like logical brain gap or you know wall she's put up psychologically for herself I just you know what I should start a podcast where I just ask celebrities, what are you thinking and like just really what was your like childhood like yeah Tell me more. Um, But yeah, no, that made me giggle this week for sure. Uh, Well, should we get into love it or hate it since we're already 
running a little long. Yeah, um, My Love It is a show that I watched last year and now is coming back. The premiere was actually tonight as we're recording this. Last night, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out. But it's Claim to Fame, the reality TV show. Mm. Uh, also sort of about Nepo Babies to a certain yeah. degree. Um, where they put 12 people who are related to famous people in a house and there's sort of these metrics but the goal is for everybody in the house to figure out who the other people are related to without (laughs) the other people finding out their famous relative which is fun because there's all of these different clues and challenges but it's also fun to watch these people who you know probably spend their entire life name dropping a famous person have to now try to not name drop the famous person and the season premiere like was going along fine, you know, like interesting, fun to watch. But the woman who got eliminated, like had a full on meltdown when she got (laughs) booted off the show and like went through the house and was like screaming and like yelling at at the other contestants, at the producers, just like having a breakdown. You're like, this woman clearly is used to like having her own way. (laughs) Was it Kendall Jenner? Not go her way. It was not Kendall Jenner because they're not famous people, but like it was it <laughs> was something to behold. And I was like, wow, if this is setting up this season, this is just like prime perfect television. Yeah. And it's on ABC and then goes to Hulu. So every episode is only 42 minutes. And watching it, I was like, wow, I miss the days of 42 yeah. minute TV show episodes because now everything's like 58 minutes, an hour and four minutes. And you're like, ugh. <laughs> I, I need to be able to, you know, watch something and then get up and do something else. But yeah. yes, if you haven't watched the first season, that's available to stream. The second season's, you know, starting now, new episodes every week. You don't need to have watched the first season to join in for the second. It's a lot of fun. So so did you guess recommend. hers? Did you know who she was related to? Well, so they give you these, like, you have a certain amount of clues. Yeah. And as the season goes on, it gets, like, pretty obvious who the different people are. But with her, because it was the first episode, there wasn't that many clues. Yeah. Really, the way that they found out who she was is because they were sort of, like, there's this clue wall in the living room, and it has all of these different, you know, items on it that some of them are associated with people's relatives some of them are just random items so it's like helpful as much as you want it to be but also not at the same time yeah and people kept being like oh i think that you know so and so like it could be this famous person because of this item and she'd be like no no i don't think no i don't think it's anything i mean maybe a different person in the movie and she was just so defensive (laughs) that everyone was like we think that her relative is this person not because of really any clues we have but just because every (laughs) time it comes up she has like a breakdown and tries to like pivot and throw it on somebody else. Well, you know what? Good marketing. I, I find myself curious about this show for the first time in my life. So thank you. Perfect. To you. Great. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Um, also in its second season, I'm excited to share uh, The Bear on Hulu. Oh my gosh. Obsessed. Obsessed. Oh my word. So this is the chef show. Um, huge splash last year year uh when it came out a big hit you know it was like 100 percent on rotten tomatoes everyone was like where did the show come from this is amazing everyone in it great but really kind of mostly unknowns at the time they've now had sort of renaissance moments like one of the actors is even a character in the movie we're talking about thursday but this season 
a sophomore season is sometimes so hard because you're like, you know, standing up to the hype of the first and and oftentimes they didn't know where they were going or if they'd get a second season, so they don't always have the best ideas. But this season is so freaking good. It is so strong. Like I think I realize that this is like my succession. Like it's a dysfunctional family who really struggle to make logical, good, productive choices. And it's funny, but also dramatic. It's like, is this a comedy? Is this a drama? What am I supposed to feel about these people? How am I supposed to think? I love it all. I just, oh my gosh, I lap it up. And honestly, this is just like a revolving door of celebrity cameos. Like they're, they have this episode six, which is just the piece de resistance. It is like, you have Jamie Lee Curtis, you have Bob Odenkirk, you have John Mulaney, Jillian Jacobs, Sarah Paulson. It's like, what is happening? You around the corner next episode, Will Poulter, Olivia Coleman. It's like, yes. And everyone is serving that same level of like talent. It's so good, so watchable, and so like interesting and unique in the TV scape right now because I think even different than Succession, at least as far as I've watched. It feels like less concerned with the plot, like moving forward or solving certain things. Like it's definitely not a mystery. It's not like a, oh, we got to puzzle this out. And It's very much just like following, flittering around these different characters. You see one, you drop them for a few episodes, you come back and everything keeps moving in this in the meantime. So it's not like you don't get to see everything, but you just like, you just feel it. And you're just like with these different characters. Oh my gosh. I love it. I'm obsessed. It's honestly maybe even better than the first season just because you're able to see like so much growth based on the first season. And, um, I can't say enough good things. Yeah. I watched the first couple episodes of the first season and then for whatever reason didn't come back to it but i did enjoy it and i feel like the second season is getting a lot of hype and i know the episodes aren't super long so maybe i'll swing back to that once i yeah i've been i've been freaking you know (laughs) oh just all day long just the bear yes chef corner yes i love it i'm obsessed and i feel like there was even a taylor swift needle drop that i didn't see coming and it like worked so cute and clever for this character and Jamie Lee Curtis is like, I heard y'all say I didn't deserve that Oscar. Let me prove it right now. Like everything about it is just so good. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Mm. Oh, so yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I wish we were covering that Thursday, but we're not. Um, we're talking no. about no hard feelings, which N- is it? Jennifer Lawrence, R-rated yeah, rom-com. <laughs> I think there's a lot to unpack in this movie. Um, we've yeah. recently done an episode on Jennifer Lawrence. So, mm-hmm, you know, we've mm-hmm. talked about her past a lot. But I think this movie is really interesting in her career and sort of where that's going. But also really interesting just in the genre of like R-rated comedies, which we haven't yeah. really seen a ton of, especially with a female lead. It's like sort of a rom-com, but not. There's a, there's a lot going on. And I think a lot of fun stuff to unpack. So we'll be back on Thursday to discuss that. And then next week we are off because Shelby is gone and I am in Fire Island. And And once we're both back. Celebrating its independence. 
Uh, yeah, Congrats <laughs> to her. Um, but yeah, so everybody can, you know, spend time eating bratwurst and not recording yeah. or listening to podcasts or watching movies or whatever. But never fear, we'll be back with Barbie and all of that stuff later on. Um, but yes, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you guys on Thursday. Bye. <laughs>